Today's daf is Kaf Aleph in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We are on Kaf Amud Bet. We are four lines from the bottom of the Amud. Any doubt we push forward, which means to say, as Rashi explains, but the Gemara explains itself. Meaning, when we keep two days of Yom Tov in Galut. We keep the 15th and the 16th day of Tishrei as Sukkot. We keep the 15th and 16th day as Pesach. But we don't make the 14th. In other words, we're not concerned, as Rashi explains, that maybe the Bedin accidentally made a 28-day month instead of a 29. But we don't know if they made a 29-day month or a 30-day month. So we take both of those possibilities into account. And we calculate the first day of Yom Tov based upon the previous month having been a 29-day month. And the second day... Uh, Yom Tov based on the previous month having been a 30-day uh, month. And that's how we calculate the two days. But why don't we go ahead and observe the 14th because maybe they made Av and Elul Chaser. In other words, maybe Elul was a 29-day month and Av was a 29-day month. So actually our calculation could be off by two because we assumed that Av was a 30-day month. And, uh, and so therefore, uh, and so we take into account that Elul might have been a 29-day month. But what about if Av was also a 29-day month? That would be from the beginning of Av to uh, Sukkot, that would be the possibility of two days short, and then it would turn out that it was the four, our count of Tishrei could be off by another day backwards, meaning it could be the 14th, what we count as the 14th day of Tishrei is really, in fact, the 15th day of Tishrei, and we didn't realize it because we assumed Av was a 30-day month. So Gemara says, If they had two months in a row that were 29-day months, everybody would hear about it, everyone would know about it. So what happened immediately prior to this month, you might not know. You might not know immediately what happened in Elul, whether it was 29 or 30 days, but you're going to know if Av was and then Elul was, then you would be aware of it. And uh, as Rashi explains, that... Uh, uh, that the Tevet, always Tevet is a, uh, is a uh, short, uh, short uh, month, because it alternates uh, being um, one month full and one month uh, 29 days. And if it turned out that Shvat was already short, we'd already know before Pesach, we would already have heard that there were two uh, months that were uh, short, even before uh, the messengers come to tell us when Nisan was declared. If both Tammuz and Av were made short, so then uh, we would know that there were two months already that were shorter, and we would be concerned about that, we'd be aware of that. Uh, because Tammuz was always a 29-day month, so if Av also was a 29-day month, we would have heard about that Av being a 29-day month since it's unusual, just like we would hear if Shvat was a 29-day month since the Tevet before it is always a 29-day month. So we would have heard about that already, we would have noted it, and we would have adjusted our calendar accordingly, so that's never a concern uh, of such thing happening. Levi Levi came to Bavel on the 11th day of Tishrei, which is the day after Yom Kippur. Amar basim the, the food of the Babylonians is so tasty on the great day of the West. In other words, right now is actually Yom Kippur in Israel, and you guys are eating delicious food.
So then, Amrilele said to him, Asid, are you testifying that you actually heard that they declared the Rosh Chosh, that they made uh, Elul a 30-day month, in which case what we considered to be the 11th day of uh, Tishrei is actually the 10th day. I did not hear, he said, I didn't hear the Bedin actually declare the Rosh Chodesh. Uh, so since I didn't hear it, I cannot testify to it. And since I can't testify to it, you should follow. Basically, what he's saying to them is that uh, they should follow how they declared the Rosh Chodesh according to their usual system, since he couldn't offer them direct testimony contradicting what they thought was the proper date. <laughs> that Rabbi Yochanan made a takana. That there were certain places, say there's a difference between Rosh Chod, between uh, Tishrei and Nisan. On both of them, they would have to send out messengers from Rosh Chodesh to get as far as possible to inform people what the proper date of Rosh Chodesh was so they could calculate Sukkot. And the thing was that there's a difference between Nisan and Tishrei because in Nisan you have a full stretch of time between Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, and, and Pesach. When it comes to Tishrei, you have a Yom Tov of Yom Kippur in the middle. So you're, you're held back being able to travel. You have, first of all, the first day... Uh, or two days of the month are Rosh Chodesh itself is Rosh Hashanah. Then you have Yom Kippur thrown in there too. So you have less travel days. So there were certain places that w- the the messengers for the month of Nisan could reach them because they had the full 12, 13 days to get from Nisan, uh, from Rosh Chodesh Nisan to the communities out there. Uh, I guess it's, you know, it's really 12 days because you have to subtract the Shabbat, but they had time to get to the communities they were further away, whereas the same communities would not hear about Tishrei because there were, were not as many days of travel for the messengers to arrive to them. So there were certain places that would get the news for, Tish, to, for Nisan, but not for Tishrei. And Rabbi Yochanan said, any place that doesn't get the news for Tishrei, even though they get the news for Nisan, they should keep two days of Yom Tov also for Pesach so they don't get confused between Tishrei and Nisan, between Sukkot and Pesach. Rabbi Aivo Barnagri, Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, Atra, Two rabbis, Rabbi Aivo Bar Nagri and Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, came to a place, they came to one of these places that was in the middle, that when it came to Nisan, they would always get the news in time and they could keep only one day of Pesach. Um, and, but for Tishrei, they would never get the news in time and they would always keep two days of Sukkot, but they only keep one day also of Pesach. And they didn't say anything to them. Rabbi Yochanan was very upset that these two visiting rabbis did not inform the people there that they should be keeping two days of Yom Tov for, Yom, for uh, Pesach also. He said to them, Didn't I tell you that places that have that where the, the Shlichim, where the messengers arrive in Nisan, even, but they don't arrive in Tishrei, should still keep two days of Yom Tov even for, for Pesach? Because otherwise they're going to get confused. And they're going to think that just like we only keep one day of Pesach, we should also only keep one day of Sukkot. But when it comes to Sukkot, they really don't get the news in time, so they should really keep two days. Therefore, he said that they should keep two days for both Pesach and Sukkot in locations of that type. Rava would keep two days of Yom Kippur out of doubt, just like the other holidays. So one time it turned out it turned out like he thought. In other words, he kept two days. And he was in Bavel, so they didn't have the news of the uh, Rosh Chodesh exactly. And one year it turned out that what everybody else thought was the 11th of Tishrei was actually the 10th of Tishrei because the Bet Din in Yerushalayim had actually added a day to Elul. 
And so Rava ended up because he kept two days of Yom Kippur fasting on the correct day. Rav Nachman getting betanita kulei yamad kippurei leurta atau gavra. It happened that one time Rav Nachman had kept the, was completing Yom Kippur, and at the in the evening a certain person came. Rav they said lamachal yom Rav Marava. You should know Rav Nachman. Tomorrow is Yom Kippur in Israel because they actually added a day of Elul and it's a day later than you thought. Even though you kept this entire day as Yom Kippur, he said to him, Rav Nachman said to this witness, "Who are where are you from?" He said to him, "Midam Haria, I'm from Dam Maria." Dam So he, so Rav Nachman made a play on words. The name of the place that the person was from was called Dam Maria. Dam is blood. So he said, "Dam The end of this person is going to be blood, meaning my own end is going to be blood. I'm going to die from having to fast two days now. Kare he um. He applied the pasuk to himself that, or he he applied the pasuk to the situation. Kalim Those who were chasing us were very quick. In other words, this person came and gave him the information uh, that uh, he was going to have to keep. Uh, it was like he was being chased after by this witness who came and gave him the information that he's going to have to extend his fast of Yom Kippur by an additional day. Um, it says if the person is pursuing him to kill him because he's going to cause him cause him to have to extend his fast by an additional day. Shalach sent a message to Ravah. When you see the mashchat kufat tevet ad you see that winter technically because the summer and the months don't go together. The seasons and the months don't line up because the seasons are based on the solar calendar, the sun, and the calendar month days and and dates are based upon the moon. So if you see that winter technically the winter solstice is extending past the 16th of Nisan so then then you have to extend that year you have to make a uh, leap year so that Nisan so that the 15th of Nisan is in in the spring you don't want to have the uh, Pesach being not in the spring and and don't be concerned Shamor Shamor Aviv Shel Tkufa Nisan. So he meant, don't think, don't, don't think that that opinion, that concern is only in the, the, the concern of a minority opinion. No, the Pasuk tells you, that you have to make sure that the month is the spring. Make sure that the spring of the solstice, meaning the spring season, is in the month of Nisan, meaning to say that you have to make sure that the uh, that the month of uh, that the the spring solstice is it, that Pesach falls within it. So therefore, if Pesach actually, if that spring, the beginning of spring, the first day of the equinox, the vernal equinox, I guess it would be called, falls out on the first day of Pesach, then you could just add a day, one day to Adar in order to push Pesach one day later and you would be good. But in a case where it falls out on the 16th, one day won't do the trick. So therefore you have to make an Ibul Shana. You're going to have to add an entire month of Adar in order to make sure that Pesach falls completely within uh, the Tkufa, within the right season of spring. The Mohan says, Rav Nachman said to certain uh, seafarers, You guys who don't know when exactly the Rosh Chodesh is going to be, when you see that the, uh, that the moon is, uh, is going out at Hanitzachama, in other words, that uh, that it's a uh, that it's bright all night. She says, "Yash mashlim me'oro ad anetzah chama she'ino machshich ad shadzuicha." 
In other words, it's light all night. You see, the moon is light all night. Then you should That's when you should burn the chametz. But when does really the moon stay bright all night? That's on the fifteenth, and that's already Pesach. And you need the fourteenth of Nisan to be burning your chametz. Really, the moon is visible all night long. That ho- that full moon is visible all night long, even on the night of the 14th, which is the night that you're supposed to burn the chametz. It's just that for us, that we have all kinds of obstructions in our view, mountains and hills and this and that, we don't see it. But for them that are by the water, they see, from the 14th, they already see that the moon is out all night. That's the night that they should burn the chametz and assume that that is the night of uh, prior to, that is the night before, Pesach, when the chametz should be destroyed. And the Mishnah says, on Mahmud Bet, we saw this before. There are two months where we send out the witnesses to testify in the Bet Din, even on Shabbat. That, uh, and that's Nisan and Tishrei, because, because that is when the, test, the uh, messengers are going to go out to Surya, they're going to go out to the outskirts of Israel to tell everybody when the new moon has been declared so because of the holidays. So we make sure to get the uh, witnesses there. And through them is, uh, you know, is how we establish the holidays. And when the Beit HaMikdash was standing, then we would have the witnesses come on any Shabbat, meaning to declare the Rosh Chodesh, because they come at the Korban, because one of the Korban to be uh, brought on the right day of Rosh Chodesh. So therefore, if that Shabbat happened to be Rosh Chodesh, we would want the witnesses to come to, to tell the Betin so that the Korban of Musaf of Rosh Chodesh could be offered properly. Now, Rashi explains that really the halacha is that that, uh, that the Kiddush HaChodesh actually overrides Shabbat in all cases, and the witnesses would always be able to come, but the rabbis prohibited it because it wasn't necessary um, uh, for the holidays uh, for the proper coordination of the holidays and for the uh, and for the news to be spread in order to inform people about the holidays, so therefore they didn't allow them rabbinically. They prohibited them from coming to the uh, Bet Din on anything but Nisan and Tishrei when there was no Bet Hamikdash. The Gemara says, "Is it really true that there's only two months where we uh, allow the witnesses to come?" But we learned we learned that actually there are six. Months when the uh, when the uh, witnesses go out, we learned this. It was previously on Yurchet Amud Aleph. We learned that there are actually multiple. There are multiple. Uh, there's a Mishnah there that said, in addition to uh, Nisan, we also have uh, uh, we also have uh, witnesses go on Elul and also uh, Kislev for Chanukah and also uh, in Adar for Purim and uh, also an Av because of the fast. So it's not just two, it's actually four more than that months that we have the witnesses go even when they see the moon on Shabbat. So the Gemara says, This is what it means. On, for all of the other ones, the the shlichim, those who go to spread the news, go even from the night before. But on Tishrei and Nisan, since the holidays are dependent upon them, the the uh, the. Uh, messengers are not allowed to leave until they've actually heard the Bet Din declare Mikudash officially that this is Rosh Chodesh. In other words, it, when they see, let's say witnesses saw, let's say it was, uh, she says, if people saw clearly on the night of the 29th, uh, meaning on the day of the 29th, or on the night of the 30th, they saw the new moon. So they know that the Bet Din is going to declare tomorrow the Rosh Chodesh. So, um, or they, or it's the 30th day already and no witnesses have come. So that night, even before the Bet Din the next day declares Rosh Chodesh, the, uh, the messengers can already go out 
to, to tell people that, because uh, they, they know when Rosh Chodesh is going to be, but when it comes to Nisan and Tishrei, they're not allowed to go until they actually hear the declaration directly. All the other months of the year um, that they do break Shabbat, such as Kislev, etc., and Av, when the, the witnesses are allowed to come, uh, and uh, even on Shabbat, uh, that's true. The difference is that the witness, that the messengers don't go out as soon as it becomes apparent that it's Rosh Chodesh. They have to wait for Nisan and Tishrei. They have to wait until the Bittin declares Mikudash. How do we know that we desecrate Shabbat in order to, uh, in order to uh, bring the news of the Rosh Chodesh? That these are the holidays of Hashem that you should declare in the proper time. Meaning to say that you have to declare them in the, uh, uh, you know, uh, even though it's, uh, it's Shabbat, you have to go and declare them in the proper time. Maybe you'll think that just like we're allowed to violate Shabbat in order to clarify when the new moon is for the Bet to declare it in the proper time, you're also allowed to violate Shabbat in order to send the messengers out and spread the news of when it has been declared. That's why it says that you should declare them in the proper time. Which means that you only are allowed to violate Shabbat in order to declare the new moon in its proper time, but not to spread the news to the different communities. It says that when it was that when the Beit Hamikdash was standing, we were allowed to have the witnesses come for any Rosh Chodesh, uh, even on Shabbat, because of the korban. It says in the beginning they would do it for all the all of the Rosh Chodeshim. After the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai said to them, there's no Koban to worry about. That's when they established that they would only do it for Nisan and Tishrei and not for the other months, uh, even though the other months are, uh, are, um, are months that, uh, you know, where, where Rosh Chodesh is relevant, but, and Rashi said, really, you would be allowed to uh, uh, break Shabbat in order to declare the Rosh Chodesh proper time. But since there was no Koban anymore that day, uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai made a rule not to do it anymore. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, Rashi points out here also that uh, there's a long Rashi here. It's important to read. He says, when it comes to, what is the difference between Nisan and Tishrei in the other months? So Rashi says, that the point is that on other months, the fact that the witnesses would come on Shabbat would not make the word go out sooner because the word doesn't go out. Those shlichim would anyway wait, right? Would anyway not wait, rather. Because if the Rosh Chodesh came out on Friday night, right? So the shlichim are not going to go now. And even if the witnesses don't come that day, so then the, uh, the Rosh Chodesh will just be pushed off to the next day. And everybody will know that, that it is. Right after Shabbat, the messengers will go out to spread the news. But when it comes to Nisan and Tishrei, since they have to wait for the Bet Din to declare the Rosh Chodesh, so therefore, if on Shabbat the witnesses don't come, so then the declaration is not going to be until Sunday, and they're going to have to wait until Sunday daytime to go out. And in certain cases, especially for for Tishrei, where it's there's less days that they have of travel, it's going to be harder for them to spread the word in that case. So, in other words, because of this difference, that when it comes to all the other months, if they didn't come on, if if the uh, if, if, that the the witnesses. 
I'm sorry, the messengers rather, their schedule won't be affected by whether the witnesses show up or not. Because if the witnesses show up on Shabbat, they're still not going to leave until after Shabbat. And if the witnesses don't show up on Shabbat, they're going to leave, uh, they're they're leave right after Shabbat. So either way, they're going to leave right after Shabbat. It doesn't make a difference. And therefore, if they just don't come on that Shabbat, so we'll say that the, uh, uh, we'll say that the witnesses, uh, that the messengers rather, um, will leave Motzei Shabbat, either to tell them that uh, testimony was received in the Bedin or to tell them the testimony wasn't received. Either way, it's the same difference. But with Nisan and Tishrei, that they have to wait until the Bedin makes a declaration. If the witnesses didn't come on Shabbat and break Shabbat to get there, and therefore the, the Bedin's declaration is de- de- delayed until Sunday, then the witnesses won't leave until Sunday afternoon or whatever it is, and that will cause less people to become aware of when the holidays are going to be that year. And Rashi says it might seem strange that the Shluchim on one hand themselves can't break Shabbat to spread the news, but the Kiddush HaChodesh, you can, uh, you can break Shabbat. He says it's funny that uh, the, the, the basis for when we have the witnesses come testify on Shabbat is determined by something that doesn't override Shabbat, which is the messengers going out. And he says sometimes they'll, they, even the, uh, the Gemara will bring something as a reason that's not really a reason. In other words, it's another factor. Another factor, when they were thinking of limiting the amount of Chilul Shabbat, one of the factors was the, uh, the logistics of the messenger. It doesn't mean it's the actual cause of the Chilul Shabbat. The reason why we want the witnesses to come is to get an accurate rendition of when Rosh Chodesh is for the sake of the holidays. But there's an additional benefit with respect to the timing of the messengers and their mission of spreading the news that also factors in. The Mishnah says, Whether the moon was clearly apparent to everybody or not, you could still travel on Shabbat in order to bring the news to the Betin. In other words, the idea is that you might think, look, it's obvious. Anybody could see the new moon. Why should I have to go? Why should I schlep to the Betin? And tell them that I saw the moon and break Shabbat when I know that somebody else for sure has already seen it. Rabbi Yossi says, no, once you see the moon uh, and you know that other people have seen it, you don't have to go. In other words, according to the Tanakhama, if you see the moon, you now have a mitzvah to go. It doesn't matter if other people saw it. They probably saw it anyway. They don't need you. It doesn't matter. You have a mitzvah to go. According to Rabbi Yossi, the mitzvah is in the uh, product. In other words, in the result. That the testimony needs to be given in Betin, since you know somebody else is going to give it who lives nearby and doesn't have to break Shabbat. You don't need to break Shabbat, according to Rabbi Yossi, when it's obvious that somebody else would have seen it. It happened that over 40 pairs of witnesses showed up one Shabbat, and Rabbi Akiva made them wait in Lod until after Shabbat. Rabbi Gamliel said, if you hold people back and you don't let them go home, then sit the machshan They're going, you're going to end up causing them trouble in the future. In other words, they're not going to want to come back to testify. The point was that um, they came to testify. They weren't really needed because there were 40 pair, because obviously they were so, it was so obvious that the moon was, uh, you know, appeared in the sky that anybody could see it. So, so many people came. But the point was, Rabbi Gamliel said, if you give them a hard time and you hold them back, you don't let them go back, and this and that, they're never going to want to come in the future when they're really needed because they're going to have a bad experience so you should let them go back. The Gemara says, My mashma, the hai alil shanad migalehu. How do you know that the word alil means that it was very evident in the sky, the moon? It says that the statements of Hashem are very pure. Kesef tzaruf, refined kesef, refined silver, ba'alil aretz, which has become apparent, in other words, which has been unearthed from the ground. Mezukak shivatayim, which was um, 70 times um, uh, purified. Right, so the idea is that the, uh, or seven times seven times, according to what Rashi says in the Chumash, seven times seven, Shivataim, uh, as in the case of, uh, what Lemech says in the Chumash, Shivataim, 
uh, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, what uh, Hashem says to Cain, Shivatayim uh, Yukam, uh, and the uh, seven times, meaning seven times. But in, in uh, but the uh, uh, so Shivatayim could mean uh, seventy times, mean seven times. But the um, but the uh, the point is that uh, that this pasuk uses the word alil, but alil it became evident, it became seen in the world. So that's what alil means. So Rabbi Shmuel Chadamar Nun Sharei Bina Nivru Ba'Ulam Bekulam Moshe Chaser Chad. Once Rabbi Shmuel had a machloket. Once there were fifty gates of understanding in the world. All of them were given to Moshe Rabbeinu except for one, and that's why it says, That's why it says that Hashem made him a little bit less than Hashem, or a little bit less than the angels, is really the pshat that usually most of the, uh, most of the uh, uh, Chachamim interpreted. And here you see, Rav Shmuel, Shivataim, they're interpreting Shivataim, Sheva Shiviot, seven times seven, right? So the, uh, like I had mentioned before. So that's uh, that's where they get the Shiva uh, time in seven times seven, which is forty nine. These are the forty nine levels of understanding of the Shiva time. That's why it says that the uh, the words of Hashem are seven times seven. The Shiva time. So the uh, um, uh, so but uh, so so that's that's Rav and Shmuel. One says that the seventy nine are referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, the forty nine levels of understanding that. Uh, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu could have, uh, you know, had, and uh, just below Hashem, meaning that there was a one level that was not accessible to him. It says that Kohelet wanted to find desirable words. Okay, he wanted to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. A, a, a heavenly voice came and said that, uh, in order to uh, explain that that would not be possible, what's written is straight words of truth. What does that mean? Meaning, what does that mean? Meaning that nobody else could be like Moshe, so you're not going to be able to reach the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. He reached the 49th level, you're not going to be able to reach that level. But the other one says, no, even though it says that among prophets there will never be anybody like Moshe, maybe among kings there could be. So then the, uh, so then the Kohelet could be. So what does it mean that uh, Kohelet wanted to find words of uh, desirable words? That Kohelet, meaning Shlomo Amelech, wanted to be able to judge judgments just by intuition, without witnesses, without warning. That's why the Bat Kol, the, the heavenly voice, came and said to him that uh, what is written is straight words of truth, and it says that it must always be based on two witnesses. You cannot. Even though you might have a great intuition, you might be a genius. You cannot render judgment without the proper protocol, without the uh, without the correct procedure of using the two witnesses. So you see that the uh, that uh, Rav and Shmuel both uh, the way that we have it Chad Amar. So uh, uh, it, it makes it sound like there's a machloket, and then the machloket between Rav and Shmuel would be whether Kohelet could or couldn't have had the understanding of Moshe Rabbeinu. But if you look on the the notes um, in the Hagaot Vetsyonim, if you have one of the Gemarot that has the updated texts, meaning the alternate manuscripts, there it says Rav and Shmuel Damrei Tarvayu that they both said the statement about there being forty nine levels of wisdom, and the machloket then is the second part, whether Shlomo Amelech could or could not have uh, reached the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, what, what he was not allowed to reach, what was, was, he, what, was the thing he wasn't allowed to reach, the 49 levels of understanding, or the thing he wasn't allowed to reach was being able to judge without using witnesses and the proper legal procedures. In any case, the point of that 
exercise was to teach us that the word alil means openly evident and obvious, just like the, the silver that is pulled out of the ground becomes evident and becomes observable to all. Now we go, turn to Kafbet Amud Aleph. said that there were over 40 pairs of witnesses that Rabbi Akiva held them back. Tanya, we learned in the Bible, it couldn't be that Rabbi Akiva detained these uh, these individuals. The person named Zephyr or Zafar, who was the head of this place called Gadir, he was the one who stopped them. It was a uh, some uh, mayor or leader. As a result of that, Rabban Gamliel deposed him from his position of head of the city because he caused this inconvenience to people. And basically, by discouraging them, from uh, by not allowing them to go back and holding them their old Shabbat, holding them hostage, even though their, their testimony wasn't even necessary. Basically, he discouraged them from coming in the future when their testimony might indeed be necessary.